Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Go in Peace, a daily podcast from the Houghton College Chapel Office, where each day we take a look at one of our college lectionary texts, and we ponder provocative thoughts so that we can truly go in peace to love and serve the Lord. My name is Michael Jordan. I'm Dean of the Chapel here at Houghton. It is Thursday, March 25th, Annunciation Day, nine months before Christmas. So glad to have you with us uh, during this time. It's always a wonderful, I always appreciate when Annunciation Day comes around in the middle of Lent, an otherwise kind of somber season, and it reminds us of God's uh, working in quiet and secret ways in our lives that we can't even see sometimes, uh, the little ways now that God is bringing something new to birth in us. Uh, This week we're looking at texts related to the work of reconciliation. Today's texts are Psalm 51, 1-12, Ruth 1, 6-18, and Ephesians 2, 11-21. And uh, today I'd like to read to you from the New Testament, so I'll read to you Ephesians 2, 11-21. Find it here. All right. So then, remember that at one time, you Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision, by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were, at that time, without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. Well, this is a grand vision of salvation. And I think, you know, as I, of course, I grew up evangelical, I pastor in what usually is termed an evangelical kind of church and an evangelical kind of space in our college, um, so I, I, uh, I fully uh, remember and appreciate the power of the sinner's prayer where a person sort of makes a decision to follow Jesus. And, and one by one, uh, individuals make a choice to follow Christ or uh, do not make a choice to follow Christ. Uh, and I, again, I'm very used to thinking about things this way, but take a look at this cosmic vision about what salvation means here in the book of Ephesians. Right? It's not talking about the salvation of souls here. But the creation of a new humanity out of two, creating into one new humanity. And as I read this, I thought, how close are we really to this? (laughs) Right? Like, I see many, many, many people contending for 
truth in the world. I see many, many people, um, you know, arguing for where Christians, um, like what Christians ought to believe and how we ought to be, best be Christians in American culture today, that kind of thing. I don't see very many people contending in the same kind of passioned ways for the creation of one new humanity. And I don't see many people, frankly, all that concerned with everything, every consequence of this passage in terms of unity. Right? Often, a person who is reaching out for unity and to find common ground is understood as someone who is of necessity not having a lot of convictions about what they believe. And to me, this is tragic, right? Either we insist that truth is more important than unity, <laughs> or um, we deny the truth and we settle for a very sad imitation of the creation of one new, new humanity. But this kind of juxtaposing truth against unity is something that I don't think is, is true to the gospel. Jesus is very concerned with unity. And Ephesians here in this text is picturing what it means to be saved as in former hostilities breaking down and people joining into one body. And so I think we really need to keep this in mind as we are contending for things that we believe are true, it very much matters how we do that. And it also matters that we do not look for uh, a greater degree of essential truth than the gospel gives us. In other words, we don't want to commit the evil of the Pharisees, right? Which the Pharisees' evil was to insist that people followed more rules than the gospel put upon them. And in our lives, we don't want to do the same thing, right? We don't want to insist that people follow more rules than the gospel itself puts upon them. Because if we do, um, then, then we are not reaching out for unity in the same way that this text is encouraging us to reach out for unity. We want to be one with all that Christ would have us be one with, all the people that Christ would have us be one with. And we do not want to be one with those uh, who uh, God would say are essentially different right? We don't, we don't wish to sort of obscure the truth for the sake of unity, but neither do we want to sort of uh, talk about the truth in such a way that unity doesn't matter. And this is the great balance required of us for Christians. And uh, we don't, of course, have firm answers to this. I mean, the creeds are an attempt to, to answer this question, right? The, this is what the creeds are, an attempt to sort of lay down the kind of fundamentals to say we can enjoy unity so long as this, uh, you know, as long as these kind of theological conditions are met. So I know that this kind of discussion is ongoing, but I, I want us to be really careful as we're having this discussion that we remember the power of anger in our culture right now, because I think the power of anger is the sort of thing that makes us more likely to lean into ideas and less likely to lean into unity. And sometimes when we're angry, when we're anxious, um, unity seems harder to achieve and dangerous when Ephesians and Christ himself in John 17 certainly seems to point toward unity as a goal that's worth pursuing. So we can't juxtapose these things against each other. It's not either truth or unity. It's truth and unity. Both are important and both should be in our, both should be things that we contend for as we contend for the place of the faith in our world. 
God, we thank you for the deep love that you have for us in Jesus, and we're aware, God, of your desire to have a unified church, a bride uh, that's unified and ready to be joined to you uh, for all eternity. We pray, God, as we seek to sort out these very difficult things, as we seek to be people who believe the truth out loud, who are not ashamed of truth, but also as we seek to be people who build as many bridges as is possible so that we can have unity. We pray, God, that you'll help us in this process to follow you in ways that honor both of those concerns that are dear to your heart. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow for one last time on the theme of reconciliation. Until then, go in peace to love and serve the Lord.